0: If you've ever wondered what it takes to really ensure that your guests feel seen and heard and, and cared for during your events, then I have got something special for you today. Uh, coming to you from down under in Australia, I think you're absolutely gonna love what you're gonna to share on the topic of transformation in memorable experiences. Inquiring minds wanna know. How are entrepreneurs like us daring bravely to build a stage, ditch the sweatpants, and step up to the mic? How do we create our own transformative events so we can get our message out into the world in a bigger way that's not only profitable, but it's actually something we can be proud of? That's the question, and the answers are inside this podcast. My name is Sarah Fafer. Welcome to Green Room Central. Hey, it's Sarah. I have an invitation for you right now. You can join entrepreneurs from across the globe who share a passion for hosting their own events. Become part of the community that inspires and cheers you on over at greenroomcentral.com. Today I brought into Green Room Central Studios, Dr. Jurgen Strauss, founder and chief innovator at InnovaBiz, and a mentor for podcasters all around the world. He hosts boutique events locally in Australia and in some exotic tropical locations around the world. His events are dedicated to a common purpose, working with businesses to affect transformation. Jürgen, welcome to Green Room Central Studios. Say hello to Lynchpin Nation.
1: Hi, Lynchpin Nation, and thanks for having me on the show, Sarah. I really appreciate it.
0: Oh, we appreciate you being here uh, all the way from Australia uh, and First, I want to get into what type of events you host and just have you describe them in a little more detail than I just gave folks in the intro, if you would.
1: Well, the big events that, that we've been hosting that I've talked to you about are a boutique retreat. And what we do is take up to 15 business owners and businesses out of their business away from their business preferably in a location that's has them out of contact with the business which is quite a challenge for a lot of businesses and we also want to have them come into a pampered environment so really take care of themselves first and put themselves into a mindset of relaxation of really high focus on then planning for the next year for their business, their vision, their mission, um, looking at long-term plans, and then really digging down into a detailed one-year plan that we then review quarterly with them. We do that in a way that we use a lot of NLP techniques where there's accelerated learning involved, there's digging into values, there's alignment of values, removal of limiting beliefs, a lot of those things that go on, as well as the nitty-gritty work of the planning that happens. And and the events that we've run so far have just been transformational. And for me, it's always been an inspiration, not only to, to see the other businesses transform and come away from that event with a new sense of purpose and vigour and excitement about their business, but it also rubs off on me i often learn things that i can then implement in my business we also work on our own business as well so it's we get in front of the room when it's our turn to present our vision and our mission and the participants get to challenge that as well so we're sort of in the trenches with all the participants there
0: so it's a circle if you will everyone's kind of learning from each other uh i love that i love that you're you're taking them out of their everyday lives in order to do uh, this super important work of that long term planning, which I think is typically really challenging to do when you've got the distractions of running a business yeah. kind of at the forefront. Yeah. And so you are saying that you create an environment that's really conducive to them kind of turning off their their real life, if you will, the distractions and really getting focused what are some of the things that you do
1: well the first thing we like to do is go into a warm tropical location because we were talking before the show recording we're actually having a spell of tropical weather here in melbourne at the moment but in the middle of winter our winter which is june and that's typically when we run these businesses it's cold wet and miserable and so what We like to do is take people out of that cold, wet, and miserable environment that can be a bit depressing and take them to a tropical location. Now, we've been to places like Coconut Island in Thailand, we've been to uh, Vanuatu, we've been to Fiji, and we go to resorts that are that cater for all of our needs. So, obviously, we require good meeting rooms, good breakout rooms, good business facilities that we can do the work that we do, but at the same time also catering for the fun side of things. So having a really nice room, having um, really good food, really good service, being taken care of in that environment. So there's nothing people have to worry about. We, We kind of package everything up People don't have to worry about anything. We organise the travel, the flights, the the transfers from the airport to the resort and back. There's nothing the participants have to worry about other than bringing a good mindset and bringing their energy into that planning and that, um, that work that we do then in the environment. Then some of the things, some of the smaller things that we focus on that we really value highly, because I think they contribute a lot to the success of this, is the environment of the actual working location. So if we have a room that we work in, it's got to be natural light, it's got to be really well lit, it's got to be a comfortable temperature, there's got to be water available for the participants to keep hydrated, because a lot of the work we do is actually very tiring mentally and that requires you to be hydrated so that you can function at your best. We also um, have setups to video people when they do their presentations, so that they can have a record of what they've presented and take that away with them. We set up the rooms in a way that we can run the Disney creativity strategy. So we typically set our agenda up that in the morning we have the kind of the dreaming room session so we look at the visioning and the plan or the visioning and the dreaming about the plans and imagining what might be then in the mid-morning session we typically go into the sweat room where we do the work to put the meat on the, on the bones of that and then in the afternoon session, we go into the reality room where we kind of challenge that. We say, well, yeah, that, that's a really good plan, but do you have the resources to achieve that within that time frame? What if this goes wrong? What if the environment changes here? And then start to build contingency plans around that. And the next morning we go back into the dreaming room. So we keep doing those cycles.
0: So I want to get this straight, Jurgen. You contract for three separate spaces to be using and cycling through? Uh,
1: we have had three separate rooms. We have also had a large room where we've taken areas and we've just said, you know now we move over into this section. So physically the participants know because we're physically moving into this area, it's kind of that's the session we're working in. So there's actually a trigger. It's not just us saying, okay, we're going to switch our work style or we're going to switch our mindset to dreaming or to um, sweat room, to working conditions or to to, um, reality checking. There's actually a physical trigger as well because we either go to another room or to another space within a larger room.
0: I absolutely love that. I was just learning uh, a couple of weeks ago about this concept of of different colors of hats in, in mm. I don't remember what the title is, but like green hat is like creativity yeah. and imagination. That's, and you know- To
1: Bono's six sinking hats.
0: There there you go, yes. Yeah. And uh, I was loving that, that description of like having these times when, okay, if I have, and so you're doing it with physical spaces where when we're here, mm. this is where, you know, like, nothing's off the table, get all the ideas out, be creative, be imaginative, like stretch the bounds of what's possible. And then, but you have different spaces where like you call it a reality space where, uh, okay, now we have to really challenge what's there and decide if it's, you know, figure out what's possible. And, uh, I absolutely love that you're using physical triggers, whether in the same room, moving them or different rooms to help get people into the right mindset set the help help you set expectations for the work that needs to be mm. done during that time brilliant brilliant uh i so i'm hearing that you're caring for a lot of the pieces of their environment like you're handling their travel expenses and probably their meals and yep. uh, things like that so they really can't just show up and <laughs> and do the work. And so you're removing a lot of the the barriers to to saying yes. Is that do you find that helps in your marketing?
1: Yes, it does help in the marketing. I mean what it does do, of course, is it makes it a much more high ticket item. So if we were to just sell the cost of the event itself, there'll be considerably lower cost. But some people prefer to know that if i attend this this is my overall investment rather than this is the the investment i have to make for the ticket to the event and then i've got to worry about my accommodation and then i've got to book my flights so there's yeah there's it's a lot easier we're taking away the friction at the moment so um here's the total investment for that event and if you say yes then we go we just take care of everything for you it's frictionless there
0: i love that style of hmm. of event planning it's really my personal favorite uh to do it that way um,
1: and of course um, part of the attraction as well is we've we've chosen a really good location geographically in terms of where we're going which country which location as well as the facility that we're going to. So that helps us in our marketing and we can use the marketing collateral of the resort we're going to, for example, and say, well, this is where you're staying. So that, of course, gets people into a a very um, nice emotional state because they're getting excited. Wow, that looks really nice. That resort looks nice. The pool looks nice. The gym looks nice. The rooms look nice. The food looks nice.
0: Yeah, oh that that's brilliant to use the marketing materials that already exist that the hotel has <laughs> and the mm. resort has spent lots and lots of money and attention and care into putting together and to be able to use that uh yeah. in your marketing. And of course the yeah. other
1: the other thing that comes into that is that we can negotiate a package with the resort and also we can negotiate group travel uh, arrangements with the number of people that we're booking for at once. Whereas if everybody did it for themselves, they'd be paying whatever the full price is typically.
0: Yeah. I wanna circle back to uh, the, and talk a little bit more about the frameworks that you're using, because you mentioned a couple of things. You mentioned NLP, you mentioned Disney creativity. Uh, what what are all the models that you're using? Why are you using them? Like, how did that, I know it's a big question, but how yeah. did it come to be that, uh, that you became aware of these different models that you can integrate into the events that you, that you run?
1: Well, it comes back, so we do these events as a joint partnership with my business and my business coach's business. My business coach has a training business that her primary uh, work is training people in NLP. So I did some NLP training with her um, to a very advanced level and started helping run some of those training programs with her. And as we were doing that, we, we were sharing our vision of what else we'd like to do with our business. And one of the things that intersected in our visions was the idea of traveling around and going to fabulous places to work. And so we came up with this idea, well, let's take this concept of the training and expand it to to actually a planning exercise and take people to these places and travel for work.
0: (laughs) That's that's such a good idea. I'm a huge... A uh, huge uh, travel um, fan, and uh, it, it has been on my mind as well to uh, start a mastermind where I can be bringing people to all the locations that I have on my <laughs> list of yeah. of uh, places I want to go. And it sounds like you're uh, you've been doing that for quite some time. It's it's got to be fun to be able to live out some of your uh, your travel dreams while also helping to, to impact uh, these mm. businesses so profoundly at the same time.
1: Yeah, it is fun and uh, the whole, like organizing it, I mean, there are a lot of challenges in organizing this and it's a lot harder than organizing a family vacation because it's a lot of different moving pieces that have to, have to be managed. Uh, but it is really fun in the lead up phase in the planning and the anticipation and then of course when we arrive at the resort and we get together on the first evening just as a a group to have a casual dinner and that's the what we do there is primarily make sure everybody knows one another and starts to feel comfortable with one another so we ensure that everybody feels they're part of this tribe they're part of this group this is a safe space everybody's here to support one another And then the next morning, when we get started and kick off, usually everybody's quite comfortable in starting to share some fairly um, personal things. You know, they may be personal, personal, they may be about the business, but they're comfortable sharing, for example, what kind of revenue they've got right now and what their dreams are for revenue in the future and how they, and then we start to work obviously on how they will get there
0: so uh it sounds like fostering community within these events is something that you're really intentional about is there something that a specific tactic that you you've used that it seems to work pretty well maybe on that first night
1: it's yeah we have we start off with getting everybody to introduce themselves and then there's a lot of nlp techniques that that we use that uh, I'm not even conscious of all the ones I'm doing. A lot of these are unconscious. A lot of it is getting people to have deeper conversations and asking some really good questions to move beyond the, hi, I'm Jürgen and my business is InnovaBiz and here's what we do and here's my website, go and check it out. So that's typically what happens when you first meet somebody. Uh, We kind of quickly get beyond that and say, okay, well, where do you want to, where do you see your business? Or obviously because we're in, in this unique environment, then there's a lot of things that we can talk about. In the past, most of our participants have come from near Melbourne. and so we've organized to travel together as a group. So we're already building that community feel. In the aircraft or in the group, and on one occasion, we um, we our flight got delayed. That was, I think, it was Vanuatu because there was a, a tropical storm in Vanuatu, and they couldn't land or take off, whatever. The, the flight was delayed for about five hours, so we were hanging around the airport on a connecting flight in Sydney for five hours, and we used that time. Obviously, everybody was frustrated because it's kind of dead time, but we actually used that time to foster that sense of community. And of course, it was a shared experience, so we had lots to talk about there. When we arrived at the resort, there are a couple of other people that travelled independently because they were coming from different parts of the country. So our challenge then was immediately bringing them into that group because the group had already kind of established. So it was a bit of a challenge because now all of a sudden there were some outsiders and so we had to make sure they were brought in. And again, it was about st- steering the conversations into what are the, the things that we have in common, how can we kind of share those, how can we get on the same page and how can we start to have deeper conversations around that. And that then leads naturally into the work we start doing the next morning obviously where we get into some really deep conversations.
0: Yeah, and Lynchpin Nation what I want you to hear from what Jurgen just said was really how how he's taking on a leadership role of of like creating this community and you know setting the expectations for how to fit in and pulling people into the fold and asking the right questions, just making, you know, just noticing like who's 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 uh feeling like they're part of the fold who isn't and really working to incorporate everyone and i think uh that that's on all of us as event leaders is to take that leadership role uh Mm. during our events and especially just plan to spend some time uh at the beginning to to really work on that and you might even need to assign a team member or two or three to to be helping with with that so, um, great. Love that. Um, love that you're doing it that way, Juergen. And yeah. I'm guessing that everyone who comes just feels really like seen and heard at your events. Uh, and then also probably celebrated after you get them through the, uh, the planning piece and they, they present. So, uh, you're talking all about these in-person events and uh, we're just kind of living through this tiny little thing called a pandemic right now. Uh, What things have you been considering uh, as you get back into events after a pandemic, a pause, assuming that you perhaps took a little bit of one?
1: Yes, we did definitely did take a pause. We had um, planned an event for 2020 and at that, the big event at the start of that year were some massive bushfires in Australia, and that was um, the worst we've ever seen. I think right across the board in Australia, and we thought that was going to be the defining event of 2020. Of course, <laughs> we know now that that was a bit naive to think that. <laughs> the um, what we decided at that time was that rather than go overseas we would actually go to a regional australian location of course australia we're lucky here the northern part of australia is a tropical um, a tropical environment so we were looking at a couple of resorts there and we'd kind of gotten down to two and we're in negotiations for packages there when the pandemic broke out and all that uncertainty in the initial phase came about around travel and so on. So we put everything on hold. And of course, since then, we haven't done any more for in-person events. What what we're looking at right now, I mean, it's still pretty uncertain from Australia to travel internationally. It's not that easy yet, although things are improving and, and starting to open up. So we're looking at possibly doing something in 2023, get my years right um, so we have had a higher we would have had a hiatus of nearly four years by then um, in the meantime i've been running some zoom events with a difference where we bring people together just for an hour or an hour and a half and allow them to get together and start to have those meaningful conversations so in a way it's that model of that initial bring people together and get them to know one another at a little bit of a deeper level. And the way I do it is that at the end of that hour or hour and a half, people have permission and usually they want to continue that conversation with many of the people that they've met on the event. And that that's led to things like these podcast interviews. It's led to some joint venture initiatives that have gotten started. It's led to people doing business with one another because they found somebody that did what they need right then and there, or they found somebody that knew somebody else who did what they needed right then and there, or they found somebody that could connect them with someone that could help them get their product or service out into the marketplace and and the word out more. So we've been doing that regularly as, as a Zoom event, but as I say, a Zoom event with a difference. I keep hearing these comments that I'm all Zoomed out, and um, part of that, I think, is that a lot of the events, people just present. So there's one, maybe more people presenting. It's a one-way street. Um, these events are very participative, very active. There's lots of music and dancing. It's high energy. Um, so that, that's what we've been doing. Around the pandemic time, to at least keep bringing people together and keep encouraging those meaningful conversations.
0: And would you? Because I agree. I hear that all the time. Like, oh, everyone's all zoomed out, and I just think it's totally not true. It's it's really <laughs> more about the 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 host than it is the hmm. uh, the guest. Um, people are not all <laughs> tired of Zoom. Is there something that you think that you do better than? than others in terms of making those uh, Zoom events more engaging?
1: Well, I think it's just getting people to participate. So it's not about me presenting something. Or um, In fact, most of those events, I don't actually present anything other than talking about the logistics of the event. Here's how it's going to run. Here's what's going to happen. That's really all I present. And then the rest of it is all participation so i just facilitate conversations between people give them opportunities to um, mingle in small groups so that everybody has a chance to have a say and also have a chance to listen and focus on a few other people rather than a big group that that everybody might be there the total might be a big group but we break that up into smaller groups so everybody has that opportunity to really listen carefully and get to know some people at a deeper level, and also to have their say, and it's really great for introverts, I think. And the other thing is really just try to make it fun. Like, I like to have fun on these events, and I sort of do it in a way that hopefully everybody can have fun. And I keep emphasising this as a party. And one of the challenges, of course, with these events is everybody's in different time zones. So I start off by saying, well, some of you, it's dinner time for some of you. It's breakfast time for some of you. It's lunch time for some of you. It might be one o'clock. So whatever it is that you need as food or beverage right now, you're welcome to have that while we're having this, um, this event. And it is a party, so just enjoy.
0: So talk to, talk to me more about how you make... Uh your in-person events fun? What do you like to do?
1: Well, first of all, that whole conversation we've had about the environment, I think everybody's in a really good mood to start with. And I think that's core to setting the scene and getting everybody in the right frame of mind. Then, of course, we um, the food—we make sure that the food is first class. And usually we come away from these things having put on um, a bit of weight unless somebody's disciplined enough to go to the gym in between time. Um, the uh, Usually it's at the water, so morning walks at the beach. Sometimes we have activities if people have the energy to do activities after we've completed the day's event. Usually we try to wrap up the day's event by about three or four in the afternoon and then we'll sort of reconvene for dinner at 6.30 or so. In between that time, we've run little mini workshops you know I'm a keen photographer so I've taken people out on the beach and said hey if you want to learn about some really just simple tips and tricks for taking photographs things like photographing sunsets which people find challenging or things like how do you make a photo stand out there's some beautiful scenery here it's easy to take that photograph and people will say that's beautiful scenery but how do you make the photo stand out that it's actually different to just the standard postcard and so we'll do little things like that and we've had other people talk about um, uh, what was we've had some health um, some physical health or we've had some we've done some um, hypnosis just playing with hypnosis as as little mini workshops just to kind of lighten the mood to have people enjoy themselves but learn something from one of the people that has some particular expertise then we also schedule a full day where we do nothing in the middle so usually the events go for six days um, and in on the third day or the fourth day depending on how the program pans out we'll basically leave work completely and go and do something So in Fiji, we went to a Fiji village. We walked to a waterfall, beautiful waterfall. We swam in the water there and under the waterfall, which was fun. We participated in a kava ceremony. So there's lots of fun stuff that that we do. And again, it's as a group, we do this. We had a tour guide and just having fun and and relaxing and really enjoying ourselves so when people come back after that day there's um, almost renewed energy again and also during that day of course there's lots of conversations happening about what's been going on in the last three days and people reflect on their plans or reflect on the things that they've worked on up till then and often on that day after that rest day if you like it's there's almost another transformation because there's been a lot of stuff happening unconsciously while people are distracted and and their minds on other things. So in Vanuatu, we went horse riding, we went canoeing. Um, In Thailand, I think we went, uh, we took a boat off the island and went to a night market uh, nearby across on the mainland. So yeah, we always have that one day where And that's clear from the start. But um, yeah, the fun aspect is all throughout. And having said that, we're still challenging people uh, to be real. We're challenging people to be honest. So if somebody's trying to BS their way through an exercise or something, we'll call them out on that. Um, And even that we do in a fun way. But it's clear that, hey, you're not getting away with this.
0: Hey, I don't want you to miss out. Did you know that this conversation always continues inside the Lynchpin nation community? It's a free modern discussion forum exclusively for green room central listeners that will have a profound impact on the way you look at events in your business. Get answers to your biggest questions, hear behind the scenes nuggets from event leaders and get access to helpful templates, guides, and checklists as you start and scale events in your business. Be part of the daily discussion with entrepreneurs just like you. You can join for free over at greenroomcentral.com. I'll see you inside. That's important, too, to know that, uh, that when a guest knows that uh, they're, they're being put, they, they signed up for a specific reason to get a certain transformation or kick off a certain transformation, if you will. And uh, I love that you're you're challenging them as the mm. leader in the room, and so that they they get every last ounce of what they came for out of it. You're not going to let anybody kind of uh, fall behind because they're not uh, challenging themselves sufficiently or thinking through a, a task in the right way. I've I've been in a room like that before, and you know it's it's almost like when you're um, you're, you have like the, the hard teacher growing up <laughs> that, you know, just won't <laughs> let you get away with stuff and it's going to make you push yourselves harder. And in the moment, you don't love it. But then, you know, looking back years later, you you really have such a sense of fondness and admiration and um, just gratitude for being pushed and challenged to, to reach your potential. So I love that you're adding a little bit of that to your events.
1: Yeah. Yeah, of course, we do it from a much kinder perspective in, in some sense than, than that strict teacher. Yeah. Because we often, often I take the point of view of, I've noticed that because it's something I do as well. And here's how I try to stop myself doing that. And I'm calling you out on it now because I'm noticing that you're doing this now too. So in a way it's a little bit kinder because it, it gives people permission to accept that um, nobody's perfect, but at the same time to realize that, hey, we're doing something now that, that actually gets in our own way.
0: Well, you're helping them collapse time, right? That's why they're paying mm. you to be there. And uh, so you're positioning your challenges in that way. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me, how do you feel after you get done with one of these events?
1: In a way, it's um, it's a mixture of relief, exhaustion, and absolute elation. Um, the relief usually is, wow, you know, we've worked really hard to put this all together to get organized. There's been a lot of stuff that we've done in the lead up, um, and we've been on the go for six days now. So the relief is, wow. That, that actually worked really well and, and it's done now. We can tick that off and and then we usually spend a couple of weeks just enjoying that. And then we sit down and debrief and say, okay, what worked well? What can we do better next time? The exhaustion part is it is physically quite draining. So often when, when we get back, particularly if there's a long travel involved, I'll, I'll need two or three days just to recover. And the other thing is, I'm actually an introvert, so to get out in front of people, to talk to people all the time, to uh, be the initiator of conversations takes a lot of energy. I have to put a lot of energy into doing that. And so once I switch that off, uh, I really notice it physically. So usually I have a few days where I have to um, sleep a lot or just relax. But the elation part is, is the bit that really is the most exciting I'm elated because of the transformations that I've observed, because of the possibilities that are coming out of that. And most of the time, two to three months later, I mean, at the three month mark, we have a review with our participants. And at that mark, there's usually a whole lot of stuff already in place that's already happening, that's already changed the business, that's already grown their business, that's already moved them a big step towards the goals that they've set themselves and even straight after the event i can tell that those things are in place and the the wheels are turning the wheels are moving it's going to be really hard to stop that actually happening if they do the work and and i'm convinced they will so that's the elation part i sort of really feel elated at that you know i've i've contributed to this transformation they've done the work but we've set the environment we've provided the framework, we've kind of facilitated the the whole process that got them there.
0: Mm, so good. And I, I wanna pause for a moment on uh, one thing you said about the exhaustion. Uh, so Lynchpin Nation, I want you to hear what he said. He takes like <laughs> a few days to decompress <laughs> and that is totally normal. And I think a lot of people don't put that time on their calendar they just uh they just kind of plan to just go right back into daily life and after putting on uh, an event you really do need time to decompress and recenter yourself Uh, i think even if you're an extrovert i don't think this is just (laughs) for introverts and i think you should have planned on your calendar two to four days At least you'll figure out what it is for you after you get into a rhythm of putting on your own events. But you're going to need that time. Uh, And I'll just say for myself, uh, it's uh, it's typically closer to the uh, the you know like two, three, four than you know one, two. Um, And definitely for the first day after an event, I don't even move uh, like off of a couch. And for anybody who knows me, uh, they it's just absolutely like they think something's wrong because <laughs> I don't ever sit down like I'm always like busy with something. I remember after I had an event once and I was it was in the town where I live, which is not normal. I usually do events that are away from where I live. And and my parents live close by at the time and they stopped by my house uh the day after the event and the whole time like from the moment they arrived the whole conversation they left i like i was like draped over a chair and did not move <laughs> and <laughs> i think everyone thought uh you know like um i don't know hell had frozen over <laughs> yeah. but it really has
1: been a bad event <laughs> yeah <laughs>
0: i think it was a good one but yeah uh, It's just a reality and I think we should go in like eyes wide open Mm. and have that time blocked on our calendars afterwards and not have expectations of yourself because it's a real thing to decompress from an event and I appreciate that you uh, are taking that time.
1: And also I think the other important thing around that um, is to in that decompression time to reflect in what worked really well and, and rejoice in and celebrate the successes and what went well in the event before you get on to well gee that went wrong and this went wrong and next time i do this i have to fix that particular part of the system or fix this particular part that comes a little bit later allow time in that decompression and a little bit um, going beyond as i say we usually go for two weeks before we come back and and do a debrief on the event and in that time it's really about rejoicing in all the, all the good things that happened, all the transformations that happened, all the fun we had, everything that worked well.
0: I love that rule that you have to celebrate the wins <laughs> in that first two week period, and then you're allowed to do the debrief with the what could what could be uh, done differently uh, next time. And mm. so you typically do that about two weeks out.
1: Yeah, usually about that.
0: And do you bring and together kind of all of the, any team that was involved and, and do it as a, as a group? Yeah,
1: yeah, we do that as a team, the team that, that mm-hmm. put it all together and the support team. And we also get feedback from all of the participants. So we get their feedback in terms of what worked well, what did they learn, and what would they like to see more of and different.
0: And you bring the results of that survey to that meeting as like a discussion yeah. point. Yeah. Excellent. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of post-event surveys uh, of guests. There's so much to learn there. And uh, glad, that, glad to hear that you're doing them too. So... Before we wrap up, I want to move into a little bit of a, a rapid fire segment, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> and <Sounds> fun. <laughs> I want to ask you a few questions and uh, see what, what's top of mind for you. So the first one I want to ask you is, what do you say yourself backstage and on stage?
1: <laughs> yeah, I heard you ask this question of a lot of other people and it's... Um, It's interesting, I was having a conversation yesterday with a number of people that were just starting out um, in Toastmasters as speakers and talking about nerves and so on. Um, I'm not really sure what I say to myself before. What I normally do, and I do this when I start my podcast as well, is in the lead up to it, I really just focus on my mindset and bringing the mindset of... I'm the servant here, I'm, I'm here to serve my audience, I'm here to serve my event participants, and I've got to bring my A-game to this, the, the, what's, you know, what's best for me right now. And it's got to be my A-game, it's got to serve the audience. So anything that, and I try to suppress anything I'm thinking about myself, like the, my hair might be um, going, A darker shade of grey than i would like or whatever it is because that's about me and the audience doesn't really care about that they're here to get value from whatever i've got to say or bring so i remind myself of that and take those deep breaths just before i go on stage to kind of just get settled and i embrace the nerves because the moment i'm no longer nervous it means i probably don't care anymore so and and that was what i said to those people yesterday because they're all oh how do you're so confident on stage how do you overcome the nerves you know how do you get rid of the nerves and i said well i was nervous but my nervousness is around caring about making the impact that i want to make and so i embrace that because that's good and so by doing that it means it doesn't necessarily get in the way because I know it's there to hold me accountable. I know it's there to um, to make sure that I'm bringing my A-game, that I've got the energy and I've got the mindset and everything to bring my A-game.
0: Mm, so good. Uh, so my next question is is about filling events. I'd love to hear your best tip for filling your events.
1: Yeah, Al... Our- Our best process really is through networking, through word of mouth. They are boutique events, so we don't do a huge amount of advertising. Um, Most of it is word of mouth from previous event participants that um, recommend it to other people and say, hey, this was a fabulous event, and we expect the next one will be fabulous as well. And then, of course, through our own networks where Either we've done business with people at, in some other, um, some other service or product, or they know of people that might be a good fit for us. And so we leverage that network to build that word-of-mouth marketing.
0: Sure. Is there something specific that you say to past guests uh, as a way of asking them for referrals or to, to talk about it? Or is it just naturally happen
1: yeah we, we talk about it and encourage them right throughout the process um, of well first of all we do a lot of video recordings and part of the one of the video recordings we do during the event is if um, on the last day when we do video recordings of them presenting their pictures um, whether that's to for their marketing program or for investors and then we say, well, if anybody's up for it while we're doing that recording, um, if you could do a video testimonial for us and for this event, that would be wonderful. Most people are quite happy to do that as well. They're there in front of the camera already, so we just keep, keep it rolling for that. Um, and then we encourage them, of course, to speak about their experience at the event with their colleagues, with their network, and, and just let them know that we're going to be doing it again in a year's time. COVID allowance. <laughs> or so of we thought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: I love that you do video testimonials during the event. That's so uh, wise and actually also really easy to do in a virtual setting, too. Uh, so mm. I encourage that highly. What's, what's your favorite event moment uh, at events that you host?
1: Oh, that's a tough question, that one, because there's there's so many. Um, I think there are a couple of times where we've noticed somebody something going on with somebody, and it's hard to figure out what is it that's going on with that person. They've just what you observe is they've just kind of gone inside or withdrawn from an event or they haven't come out for a dinner or something and so you know is that maybe they're just tired and they need a rest or what's going on and on a couple of those occasions we've figured out that there was a deeper issue and were able to actually bring the person back into the fold in a way that made it okay for them to share that issue and then with the group of people there somebody and usually together we help them solve that particular issue whether it was um, they were missing their family at home There, there might be instances or there were instances like that but we've then created a situation where they could talk with their family and they could actually tell them about some of the exciting stuff happening and that was okay whereas normally we were kind of saying well we're really cut off from the world here the idea is to be really focused on ourselves and what we're doing with our business Um, there's been other occasions where somebody didn't want to come on an excursion and we thought well they just didn't like what we had planned which was a surprise because we canvassed everybody up front and and then it turned out that um, they were balking at the cost of it because they wanted to spend that money on bringing home gifts for their family and so we said look we'll we'll pay for the excursion it's you know it's more important that we're all there and that those moments when people realize that they're being taken care of even when they're having a little crisis moment if you like they're still being taken care of and and seeing them embrace that and know that they're really cared for that that's i guess that's a couple of the moments where i've really felt you know this is really touching
0: ah such and probably makes you feel like such like a good like important work that you're doing uh Mm. and oh i love that um what's the best thing about hosting your own events that you've found since kind of adding them into your business
1: For me, the best thing is, I mean, it's it's like we're presenting a service to the event participants. At the same time, we're also going through those exercises. And I find even when we're in presenter mode or we're in facilitator mode, that I learn so much from each and every participant. I learn so much from going through the process. I learn so much about what's going on just by observing the whole environment, the interactions between people, the plans they have and how they go about realizing them and the, the shift in mindset, the shift in um, you know, limiting beliefs just sort of falling away almost momentarily sometimes. Um, they're the, the things that I think are the best for me about the event, that there's so much that I learn um, by running the event.
0: Yeah, oh, I couldn't agree more. There's... It really isn't about uh, serving them. At some point, uh, you realize that it's, it's so much for as as much for you as it is it is mm. for them. I'd love to know what you're reading right now.
1: Um, I've just finished an, a really interesting book uh, called "Marketer in Chief" by Jason Vojevich and it talks about. Each of so he's a he's a marketer, and he's also a hobby historian. So he's passionate about history and learning from the lessons of history. And what he's done in this book is presented each of the American presidents from George Washington right up to to um, I've forgotten the name of the current the current guy. That's what he said about our prime minister, uh, Joe Biden. Really, he, okay uh, from from George Washington to Joe Biden every single president and he presented them in the light of what was the environment they were operating in and how did they sell the narrative of what they wanted people to do and he looked at it from the from sort of different eras as well so in the early stages of the republic there were they were essentially innovators so he made that metaphor and and lessons for modern marketers so in the early stages they were essentially innovators because they were inventing it they were kind of flying by the seat of their pants there was no rule book really they were developing the rule book and then as that got established then there was a period where um, folks were trying to figure out how do we operate this rule book how do we operate these processes and then, of course, there was the Civil War period and the disruption of um, people challenging whether the, those processes was right or whether some of the stuff that was still inherent in the whole system was right, and how did the presidents there sell the narrative to bring people on board, particularly where there was such uh, division within the country, and then going forward and, and right up to the present day where you know the challenges are now... Um, different than they were a hundred years ago, the challenges of environmental um, change, the challenges of technology, you know, the, the technology revolution, the challenges of sort of in, in, in global arms race is still there you know, that, that's probably been around for 50 years and how each of the presidents shaped the narrative as a marketing narrative to bring people on board. So I thought it was a really fascinating look at history and also with the lessons that he then drew parallels to how how we could apply some of those things in marketing a business.
0: That sounds super fascinating. I already wanna read it and I've already got somebody I wanna uh, recommend it to. That sounds awesome. Thank you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So, what have you got going on right now that uh, we should know about, and where can Lynchpin Nation find you? And definitely share your podcast too, because yeah. uh, it's such a good one.
1: Yeah, well, it's the Innova Buzz podcast, and people can find that by going to either InnovaBuzz.com, that'll take you straight to the podcast page, or it is on our website, InnovaBiz.com.au and um, check out Sarah's conversation with me on that podcast. I can't remember the episode number now, but it would have been in the high 400s. So we've just recorded a bunch of panel conversations to celebrate our 500th episode, and that'll be, um, that'll be out in March. And one of the things that I'm really excited about this year is taking some of these online events type frameworks and also the the whole framework and process that we have for our podcast and using that to help people build content whether that's around podcasting whether that's promoting books whether that's putting together a series of um, courses all of those things we've got the frameworks that that are easily applied to that and i'm really excited to explore that and, and help people put together those assets for their business that will help promote their business that um, some people find quite challenging to, to build content as assets for the business and yet most people have everything they need up here inside their head or they've written a book or they've written blog posts and by having those conversations, um, we can help draw that out and repurpose and produce a whole lot of additional assets that they didn't realise they actually had hidden somewhere inside their business or inside their head.
0: Mm, so good. And where can we hear about that?
1: Well, I've got uh, a full. Uh, I've published an audio course about our full podcasting process, and you can find that at innovabiz.co forward slash flywheel. Got it. So we call that our flywheel. And that's a full audio course of how we go about producing our podcast from launch to the 500th episode and beyond, as well as talking about how do we get guests on board, how do we promote the show, how do we ensure that there's an exceptional experience along the way for everyone. So that's all about the environment um, that we talked about in the event. And how do we generate referrals so that guests us always being sent our way
0: so good uh i actually want to go listen to that myself (laughs) (laughs) i will link all that up in the show notes and huge congratulations to you on your 500th episode after just being a few in myself i uh it's it's easier now for me to appreciate what a huge accomplishment that is so uh just kudos uh from me on that uh, thank you, Jürgen, for being here today. I really appreciate it.
1: Thanks, Sarah, and uh, thanks for having me on the show, and I really enjoyed the conversation.
0: Thank you for listening to the Green Room Central podcast. If you love this episode, then please take a screenshot on your phone and post it to Instagram, and be sure to tag at Sarah Pfeiffer, and let me know why you liked it and what you'd like to hear or who you'd like to hear from in the future. That'll let me know what to create for you. If right now you're thinking, Sarah, yes, an event is happening, most definitely, but here's the thing, I have a sizable team who can make this happen, but we need someone to teach us how. Well, then go to Green Room Central right now to book a private workshop. You'll get a customized two-day virtual workshop for your team. During the workshop, everyone will learn a repeatable framework, that can be used to start or scale events in your business. You'll then create a roadmap as a team so that everyone leaves the workshop with a shared vision for how to move forward with confidence. On average, I spend about an hour a day reading every month of every year. If you love learning on the go as much as I do, then I want you to go to greenroomcentral.com to get a free audiobook and a free 30-day trial of Audible, my audiobook platform of choice, and a sponsor of Green Room Central. Please grab a copy of Marketer in Chief, How Each President Sold the American Idea by Jason Like like Jürgen did, or perhaps you want to grab a copy of How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie, what's what's on my Audible bookshelf right now. I'm absolutely loving it. Uh, Perhaps give one of those a try. I appreciate your commitment to leveling up and learning the mindset and the strategies uh, of live events. And I want you to keep going. I want you to keep learning. If you want more, head over to greenroomcentral.com for show notes and all the links from today's episode.